Father, as I share this word, I just pray your anointing upon me to bring forth your word, Lord, and with your heart, Lord. Less of me, more of you. Thank you, Lord. Even though in some ways it may be a difficult word, Lord, I just... Lord, that we would hear the word and take it to heart and apply it and live it out. I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Before I get into the message, I just want to ask a question. What do you believe in, you know, a few, just a few, just short answers. Just think about this one a second. What do you think is the purpose of our faith communities, our congregations, our churches? What do you think is our purpose for faith communities, I'll call them. That way I'm not offending the Messianics or the Christians. <laughs> Growth? Spiritual, Spiritual, physical, mm -hmm. all of it. Okay. Bring God glory. Amen. Yeah, Russ. Our testimony. Encouragement. Yep. To love and good deeds. Yeah, exactly. You got it, brother. You got it. Yeah, his, the him being our rabbi, yeah. Yep, all of this. This, this is good. It's, it's because his kingdom is going to come and he's going to establish. And, but in the meantime, it's not just like, okay, let's just wait for him to establish his kingdom. Let's just wait, let's just wait. No, and so I want to talk today about, we've been talking about the purposes of God and I want to talk about our purpose as a messianic community today. Well, let me ask you a follow-up question. How have we done in all of these things that we've talked about? How have we done? Some good, some good, some not so. The good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Hmm? Yeah, C to C plus, yeah. You remember the days when you were satisfied to get a C plus? I'm not anymore. Amen. We can do better. There's a lot of room for growth is what Tom was saying. We have to do better. These days are showing us we have to do better and we can do better. So I want us to, I want to lay out in, in a passage of scripture, kind of like the job description or the vision statement for the kehilah. Kehilah, by the way, is the Hebrew word for congregation. Kahal, kehilah, okay? Church, congregation, kehilah. I want to lay out a vision statement that, well, Yeshua, in this, this great dialogue he's having with Kepha, Shimon Kepha, Peter. You all know this, but I want to read it starting in verse, uh, in chapter Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. When Yeshua came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They answered, some say John the Mercer, 
Others say Elisha, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He said, but who do you, who do you say that I am? Shimon Kepha answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Atah HaMashiach HaBen Shel, the HaBen El, son of God. Yeshua said to him, blessed are you, Shimon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal that this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also tell you that you are Peter Kepha. And upon this rock, I will build my community and the gates of Sheol will not overpower it. Where is he having this discipleship meeting with his Talmudim? Where is he having this at? Caesarea Philippi. How many have been there before? What's in back of him while he's speaking that? The gates of hell. The pagan altars of Pan. And he's basically saying, you know what? They will not prevail over you. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth, and this is for us today. It was to Peter, but it's to us today. Whatever you forbid on earth will have been forbidden in heaven and what you have permit what you permit on earth will have been permitted in heaven then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the messiah from that time on yeshua began to show his disciples that he must go to jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and ruling kohanim and torah scholars and be killed and be raised on the third day peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Never, Master, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of men. Isn't that an incredible? He had this amazing revelation about who Yeshua was. From, and it was revealed to him from heaven. And then all of a sudden he's saying, This is not going to happen to you, Jesus. This is not going to happen to you, Yeshua. In other words, you don't have to die. And you know what? There's an enemy out there who's saying, you don't have to die. You don't have to take up your cross daily and follow him. You don't have to do that. And Satan, Yeshua says, get behind me, Satan. Most of the speaking, setting your mind on the things of, of men instead of the things of God. Verse 24, then Yeshua said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is about to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will repay everyone according to his deeds. Amen. I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I may step on some toes today because I've stepped on my own toes this week. 
But I want to talk about this, this, the purpose of a messianic community. And if you guys hit on it, but let me just simplify it, is to make disciples. Make disciples. And I'm going to explain this as I roll this message out. First of all, I love Kepha's proclamation. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. First of all, do we all have that personal revelation? We all have to have that personal revelation that Peter had. You are the son of the living God. You are. Could you imagine a community coming together with that same declaration that they've all made Yeshua? They're, they're basically saying that he is the son of the living God. There's that, that proclamation demands that we live a certain way as a community. To really live this out. Verse 16, that's what he says. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Kepha, we all know that means rock. Kepha is rock. And what is he saying on that rock? I will build my community. That rock is Yeshua himself. He is our rock, our, our chief cornerstone of this building of God that, built, that he is building right now. He is the chief cornerstone, which is a rock. But it's also Peter's confession of Yeshua's being the, Yeshua being the cornerstone. But also ours, too. Our confession of faith, as well as Peter's confession of faith. Peter writes later on in life, towards the end of his life, in 1 Peter chapter 2. He probably, when Yeshua spoke that to him, he's like, I don't really understand the total magnitude of what he's telling me, but I, I know it in here, but I don't understand it. Later on in his life, he does. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4, it says, As you come to him, as you come to him, a living stone, we're all living stones, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Here's the picture of a spiritual house. It's not just one of us. It's not just a person, a lone ranger. It's a spiritual house made up of living stones. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Acceptable to God through Messiah Yeshua, for it is said as in scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen precious cornerstone. Whoever trusts in him will never be put to shame. Powerful scripture. You were created to fulfill a role. I've been saying this for many weeks. To move history toward one goal. And we're all part of that. What is the goal? A spiritual house filling the whole earth with his glory. That's what we're moving planet earth towards. All of us are involved in that. A spiritual house filling the whole earth with his glory. <coughs> we're to represent who he is to the whole world. You know, I think when he was speaking these over the disciples, they didn't get it. That's why he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem. We talked about this last week. I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. You got some issues you need to deal with before you're going to be really good representatives who I am. 
Peter, I know you got issues with everybody because they all got issues with you. John, you think, you know, you got it all together, but they got issues with you. And so you're going to go and you're going to work through these things for 40 days. You're going to be in that place and you're going to work through those issues. And then because there was, remember, it was to be ready for the promise. What was the promise? The Father's promise was the Holy Spirit to be given the birth of the... And then they started to get it, but not totally. It took a while for them to get it. And then those Jewish disciples who'd never left Israel before, they started a revolution around the world. You're here today because they finally got it. The high purpose of your life... Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason also, ever since we heard about you, this is Paul's writing, we have not stopped praying for you. This is is a role of a shepherd is to always be praying for his people. The Lord's really been speaking to me, praying for my, my flock, praying for you. We have not stopped praying for you. We keep asking God that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Praying for wisdom, knowledge of who he is. Who he is. And then it goes on to say in verse 10, and to walk in a manner, (coughs) to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. To know him and to walk in a way that he's pleased. That's what our high purpose is. And you know where that gets worked out? Right here in community. Right here in Kehillah. This pleases him. It's not only about, when it says walking away worthy of him, it's not only about not stealing and, and, and stop sinning and stop compromising, yes. But it's also to heal the sick, just as Yeshua did. It's to open blind eyes and declare the things of heaven to be here on earth. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. It's not just for a few people. It's for all of us when we represent him. You might make a fool out of yourself or think you're making a fool out of yourself by asking somebody, hey, can I pray for you in the supermarket line? You know, where they're looking for frozen, frozen food. They're looking for the frozen peas in the frozen department over there at Safeway. And you say, and the Lord puts it on you to to pray for that person for healing. The Lord may ask you to do that. That's representing him. We're to be a people filled with his presence that emits his glory. Filled with his presence that emits his glory. Ephesians 1.23, which is his body. That's us. The fullness of him who fills all in all. That's so powerful, that short verse. He fills all in all. That's the fullness of his body. We all, it's it's about we needing one one another. It's a bride, sanctified, washed, spotless, blameless, glorious. It's not just a religious community that gets together to do religious things. We need to get beyond that. So many people are turned off by religion, and I hear it, I get it. But we're not a religious community. 
We're living stones that God has brought together. We share the spirit of God in us and we're to represent him to a dying and angry and lost world. And man, they're getting more dying and more angry and more lost every day. Doesn't it seem that way? That's why, you know, we're having this rally to support Israel, stand with Israel, and I do stand with Israel. You guys know that, Millie and I. We love Israel. That's our adopted home. We're residents. We're, we're citizens of Israel as well as we are here in the United States. But I want to stand for God. I want to be out there standing for him and making a bold declaration. When we went to the Capitol and we would pray and make declarations, and maybe some people walk by and say, look at these fools, look at these fools. And you know what? I don't care anymore. We're to make de declarations of who he is, no matter how it may, 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 may feel or maybe make somebody else feel uncomfortable. Not just a religious community made up of sinners conformed to the world. Too many of us have been conformed to the world for too long. But we're to be conformed into his image, what the Son of God looks like. So what is true discipleship? This is what I want to talk about today for a few minutes. Being formed a people. A people, not just one person, but a people being formed into the image of Yeshua. That's what the body is. Spiritual community in the image of Messiah. Matthew 28, 19. Also known as the Great Commission. We all know the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all goyim, all the nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Ruach HaKodesh. We emphasize go, and we should but I believe there's also an emphasis there on being immersed. And I'm not talking about water baptism, although I believe water baptism is absolutely important. It's, it's very important. It's a, it's a proclamation of, of what we've already done in our hearts. But being immersed is something even deeper than that. It's to enter into a covenant with the divine family. When we're immersed, we're entering into covenant with the Father, the Son, who is also my bridegroom and a comforter and a counselor. And they all have a unique personality. We're to be immersed into who they are because they abide in us. We're to get to know who they are. That's why Paul prays all, hey, I pray for your understanding, for knowledge of who he is. We are immersed into a covenant we're grafted into that covenant. And it's a covenant cut by the, cut by the blood of Yeshua. You see, in the, in the Middle East back in those days, and they understood covenant. It always was confirmed by the shedding of blood. And now we have the blood of Yeshua, perfect, precious blood of Yeshua. That's, this covenant is cut by his blood. It's a lifelong oath that we enter into. It's not about convenience. It's not something we come into when we want to at our pleasure. We don't walk in and out of covenant. Too many of us have done that. I see too many people who say, yes, I'm a believer. Yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a this. I'm a that. I go to there. I check all the boxes. I go to Sunday service. I go to Shabbat service. I go to this. I go to that. I go to that. But are we immersed in that covenant? It's not something you walk in and walk out. It's not a moment of conviction or reciting prayer, although those things are important. These are real. They are important events. 
but it is a covenant of habitation that we've entered into, each of us individually. And then when we enter into that individually, we enter into that corporately. We're all part of a covenant. So when we take the Lord's Supper, it's, it's reaffirming that covenant that we're entering into. And you know what the results of breaking covenant are? Death. A disciple is one who is trained to obey, to obey all of Yeshua's commands. Matthew 28, 20, the next verse that we read. It says, teaching them to observe all Yeshua's talking I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's two parts of this verse. The first one is to obey what he has taught us. To obey what he's taught us. Not just to, to know the address of a scripture to use for somebody else, but to apply it to our lives. When temptation comes, while well, there's a scripture to help you walk through that temptation so you don't sin to obey all of his commandments we're talking about blessing today during the torah portion joyce god lays out the blessings in deuteronomy 28 if you do this you will be blessed see god desires to bless us that good things would happen to us prosperity and that blessing is in the obedience so that's the first part and the second part is to remember so it's obey and then remember. Remember, he is with us always. See, that's covenant. Yeshua is with us. The spirit of Yeshua lives in me. He doesn't jump in and out of me. He's always with me. When we get that revelation, there's the, we'll go, I don't want to do that anymore because Yeshua is in me. I don't want to displease my father anymore. You see, a covenant, we enter into a covenant of family. Romans 8.29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. In other words, you ain't got no choice. Well, you do have a choice in the matter, but he knew you before the foundations of the world. And he's destined you for some good things, to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So even here, Paul says, you're coming into a covenant of family, and, and, and Yeshua is the firstborn. He's the, he's the older brother, but he's also the bridegroom. He's the son of God, but he's the older brother. And he even says that right there. The image of the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He's not just our bridegroom, but he's a brother. Again, the family aspect. You see the family aspect of what I'm talking about here? I know, Tim, you mentioned that. It's family. It's family. This is what the community is all about. Family. Obedience is not a religious duty, it is the loving obligation of sons and daughters. And this is really hard today, I know, because there's so many broken families. And, you know, there's, there's so much, there's yuckiness, man. There's, there's sexual abuse and physical abuse in families. The enemy just gets in and, and just runs roughshod over families. And so we don't learn how to 
walk in obedience to our natural families because maybe they didn't deserve it. But God does say to honor your father and your mother. Doesn't say you have to approve everything that they've ever done to you. Believe me, we, we can't do that. But, but there is something about learning how to, as a son and daughter, we love our father, our heavenly father. See, disciples, and listen to this. This is so important. I want us to get this. Disciples are trained within community and trained to create community. You see, we learn, and the Hebrew word for disciples, Talmudim, we learn from one another and we learn from the master. And there's different levels of discipleship. We're discipled into the father and the son and the Ruach HaKodesh. We're discipled by one another. I was in a Paul-Timothy relationship or discipleship. I might have shared this. You know, Paul is, there's somebody who's a little bit more mature than you, and they come alongside and they help you walk in ways. We're also discipled by peers. You know, we, one another, you know, we all just come alongside and we encourage and we encourage with the word, we encourage with prayer, and we encourage by speaking destiny into people's lives. That's what we're called to do. We learn from one another. We reproduce what we have become. That's what the goal of a community is, to reproduce what we've become. And that's what we always have to look at. Our, am I becoming what God has called me to become? It's just like in a natural family. You know, God instituted the family. That there would be fathers and that there would be mothers and, the, and that, that there would be, sure, there was going to be issues because we're fallen, but that there would be a, 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 a protocol of how to relate to one another in a family so that when we come into a body like this, we're able to relate to one another. And again, this is why I want to say that there's such, the enemy wants to destroy the, the vision or the, the, the idea of family, the concept of the, the um, covenant of family so that sons don't learn how to be good fathers and husbands from their own fathers. But we could be reparented, and I believe that the Heavenly Father wants to reparent us so that we can be who he's called us to be. You see, Kehilah, church, congregation, whatever you want to say it, is both the context and the goal of discipleship. The context and the goal of discipleship. What do I mean by that? Context is the setting. The context is the setting. The goal is a loving community of mature, reproducing people accurately reflecting who God is. That's the goal of a community. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Y'all familiar with this passage of scripture, but let's, let's read that again in, in context of community. He himself gave, <coughs> gave some to be emissaries, some as prophets, some as proclaimers of the good news, evangelists, and some as shepherds and teachers to equip the kiddushim, the holy ones, for the work of service. The building up of the body of Messiah and this will continue until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Ben Elohim, the Son of God, to mature adulthood, to the measure of the stature of Messiah's fullness. 
You see, the fivefold ministry is not just something that we can use for our own resume. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm an apostle. I have it right on my business card. And believe me, I have seen business cards with that on there. Well, I'm a prophet. And you may be in that office of prophets, or you may be functioning as a prophet, but it's not about building up your resume. It's about building up and equipping the body of Messiah to be all that we're supposed to be. That's what the fivefold ministry is all about. It's to build up the body. It's to bring unity in the body. That wisdom and the knowledge of him would be spread throughout the body, and all of us have a role to play in that. All of us do. I love being in a, in tikkun. It's a, we embrace a fivefold ministry. There's an apostolic leadership, and, and I am in relationship with them, and, and I, I listen and I see what they say. You know, uh, the apostle sees what is in heaven, okay? And, and desires to build it here on earth. The prophet speaks it out, encouragements, edification to the body. The evangelist is, is not just to go out and share about who Yeshua is, but also to raise up others to go out and share about who, to equip others to go out and share. The pastors and teachers is to comfort and to care and to teach the word. That's all so important in the family. To be formed into the image of Messiah. And it's impossible without the presence of the Spirit of God. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it without the Spirit. Wendy and worship team, come on up. Get ready for to close. I just have a few more minutes to go. Attendance costs less than relationship, but lacks, lacks power to transform into Yeshua's image. What do I mean by that? Some people just attend congregation, church. Check the box, been there, done that. But that's not what it's about. You don't build relationship. That's why I really believe that all the pandemic and all the close downs and all the quarantines and shutdowns over the last year, I believe that was a demonic attempt to keep people from meeting together. I really believe that. Because I'm seeing how hard it is for people to come back together. And you know, and, and hear me out on this. Please don't, well, if you're offended, whatever. <laughs> is community is, there are online teachings that are great. I listen to online teachings. Awesome. Wonderful. But that is not Community. Community is, is meeting together with brothers and sisters who have issues maybe, but you know them. And it's like iron sharpening iron. I can go on a website, and I do. On Sunday, I usually go on the web, on the internet, and I try to find a, I maybe tune into this service here or somebody else, or during the week I listen to other teachings, but that does not substitute for community. I, it, it encourages me. I hear prophetic words. It, it builds my, my theology. But that is all practiced in this context. 
If it's not practiced in this context, then it's just being puffed up with all kinds of knowledge. That's why I really believe it's important for us to meet together. I have always been, and I'm not, this is not a bragging or boasting or anything like that, but ever since I got saved, I've always been a local congregation kind of guy, local church kind of guy. Always have been. And Millie and I, we just, we get involved with the community. And you know what? It's been hard sometimes to stay in that community. Man, the color of the carpet was terrible. And the worship leader didn't do the song that I thought she was going to do. He, she, whatever. You know, the usher didn't, he did this or he didn't do that. Or, you know, we have real issues with one another. We do. But that's the iron sharpening iron. We need one another to work that out. I might have a great theology about forgiveness, but unless I extend forgiveness to David for hurting my feelings or receive forgiveness from him for him hurting my feelings or whatever, I'm just, it didn't happen. I'm just saying, but I'm using that as an example is that this is where we practice family. This is where we be family. We become family. We work out the things that are in the scriptures. When it says live a life worthy of the Lord, this is where we practice it out here. You see, you can have a personal devotional life. And when I'm listening to Lance Wall now or Chuck Pierce or Cindy Jacobs or whoever, and I love them. I really do. I love listening to that. It builds up my devotional life and it leads me into worship and, and gives me insight. But I need to also mesh with disciples as a family, with other brothers and sisters, people that I know, that, that they know me and I know them. See, that's what it's all about, getting to know one another. Like I said, you can learn a concept, the principles of forgiveness, but you don't understand the power of forgiveness until you exercise it with somebody who you love and they hurt you and then you exercise that and you walk it and you grow. There's power. See, his purpose, what is his purpose this side of eternity? It's to develop a community in Yeshua's image as a spiritual family. We could pray together and for the, you know, that, that we would make Israel jealous for their Messiah. That's part of it. Because when he comes and establishes his kingdom in Jerusalem, guess what? All Israel will be saved on that day, the day of the Lord. I believe all Israel will be saved. But right now it's about building this family, this kingdom, this spiritual house. That's what it's about. Discipleship is impossible outside of community. Full stop, period. Discipleship is impossible outside of community. Online communities are helpful, but that doesn't build disciples. I hate to say that because I listen to teachings online. There's nothing wrong with that, like I said, for the 15th time. But it doesn't build community. So to kind of bring things to a close here, conclusion, the church, ecclesia, the kehilah with a purpose. We have to be a congregation that has a purpose. He didn't die 
in order that we would have awesome services. I love our services. I love the presence of the Lord. But if it ends here, we've missed it. This is not what it's about. This is helpful, but it's not the end of it. He didn't die to have, so that we would enjoy good services, good worship. He wants us to have a zeal for his house. And it has to consume us. And I believe that that's why the Lord is tarrying. You know, there's, he wants to bring us into a unity. He wants us to have a zeal for his house. Like he had a zeal for his house, his father's house. He wants us to have that same zeal, that it consumes us. So that's why he brings us into community so that we can work through our hurts, our betrayals, the things that happen in community. Because they happen in your family, your natural family, don't they? But we work through them. At least we're supposed to work through them. We work through them here too. You see, we're filled with wonderful people, incredible teaching, generosity, we are a generous congregation. For a small congregation, we're incredibly generous. And we stand against evil and we stand for Israel. We stand for God's purposes for life and against abortion and all of these things. But we have allowed compromise into us with materialism and even liberalism in some churches and greed. We've allowed these things to come in. And usually when they come in, we look and we see those things. And our response many times is, I'm out of this place. I'm tired of that. I'm out of here. I'm going to go somewhere else. And they do. They find another congregation and church and everything's wonderful and beautiful. Two weeks later, something happens. And it's the same thing again, isn't it, Tom? You know? Thank you, Lord. True disciples, and I'm going to end with this. Just stand with me. True disciples, now hear me out when I say this. They take responsibility for one another. Am I my brother's keeper? First of all, was that question answered? Was that question answered in the scriptures? No, it wasn't, except for the rest of the scriptures that basically says, yeah, there is an accountability. There is a responsibility that I have for one another. And also, we have a responsibility, not just for one another, but, but also... But there are times when you, cut the, when you cut the rope and, you know, there are times when somebody, you know, when they leave the community, it's right that they leave the community. I understand that. I'm not saying everybody, but I'm just saying that there. But we also have to take responsibility for our cities, for our families, our cities, our nation. This is what a disciple is, is somebody who takes responsibility because they've learned from the master. So I just really want to encourage us as, as the body to work through issues in biblical ways. Work through things that, if there's something that's on your heart, 
some hurt that's been there for a long time, deal with it in a biblical way. As I mentioned earlier, Yeshua said to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And so they were together in one place. And it might have been uncomfortable during that time because they had to work through those issues. Issues. I use that word a lot because we all use that word. You know what I mean by issues. Sin even. Hey, let's call it what it is. It may be sin, broken relationships. They had to work through that. But the result was worth it. Wow. Think about this, 2,000 years ago, the result of them waiting in Jerusalem, dealing with the issues that they had between each other to receive the Father's promises that when the Holy Spirit just came down, flames of fire and a mighty wind came and it ignited a bunch of Jewish believers in a city called Jerusalem that changed the world from that place, from that encounter. But they had to be that into that place of echad, oneness with one another. I think that's when the mark of discipleship was, God says, those are my Talmudim. Those are my brothers and sisters. Wow. Shoot. Promise of the Father. Go. And they're still saying, well, you know, are you going to establish the kingdom right now? Don't worry about times. Don't worry about that. Just go, go, go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And then you're going to go into Greece and Turkey, present day Turkey. It wasn't called Turkey back then. And you're going to go into other places. You're going to go to Spain and, and you might even go to, who was it that ended up in India? I think it was Thomas. Or is it Mark? Who? What are you doing on the floor? <laughs> But I mean, they went to the known world and you're here because of them. So Father, in the name of Yeshua, we just thank you, Lord, that you are building your house and the gates of hell will not prevail against this house. And we choose to walk in your ways, to love each other, to practice family and to grow up into maturity into who you've called us to be. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen, amen. All right.